0: One Media World, world Radio. radio.
1: Bright star in the galaxy, uh. she's shining on. Rolling the present like a domino, hotter than the sun. She lighted up them mother stars, running higher. Girl, a thing about you don't think much to see that you're the truth flow, uh. and it's all about you. I'm in love with all that you do, and it feels so right. on day, not just on night. you the kind of Bring your lips to your eyes, Bring your head back down to your toes. I just want to let you know it's the perfect one. Oh, got me and that's for sure. You make me want to start a ghost skin, it's like butter, Put it down like no other. And it's all about throw a smile, throw a got me hypnotized, boo child, like them camera girls, no, no, no. When it comes to finesse Baby girl, you got it I'm addicted, no question Cause it's so hypnotic And it's like I'm watching A taping up top model It's a good look, baby? Sipping on a blue bottle We posted up in VIP Is it 20 DJ? Can you play that? rocket for me Not only is she feeling me But I'm feeling everything Got me open Like a bottle of that love potion Nobody can need
0: black folk right now are making a major impact on the prison system and criminal system in this country. Because I looked around in 1860, for instance, I looked at all the major cities in the United States. And that's like Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, Richmond, Virginia, New York, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Brook. Guess what? Even though you had less than 300,000 black people that were free or quasi-free, black people made up over 51 percent of all the prisoners. 51% 51% of all the prison, and out of five million, only 300,000 of you even free. And here we are, 150 years later. And guess what? You still make up over 51% of the prisoners. So when I hear all my civil rights leaders and all my civil rights friends, I don't care what it's Al Jesse keep talking about, we've come a long way. You haven't gone anyplace. <laughs> and quit BSing people and bamboozing people and black folk about how far we've come. You haven't come any place. You still sit in the same identical spot. As my mother say you haven't got a pot or one to throw it out of.
1: to
2: Grab my pee, grab my purse, grab my jacket off to work, beaming on.
0: indicated to you a few minutes ago that the whole process of slavery maldistributed almost 100% of all this nation's wealth, power, resource, privileges, and controls of all levels of government into the hands of the dominant white society. Now what does that mean in tangible terms, that when you only got one half or one percent of the wealth? How can you compete with one half or one percent of the wealth? When in this society right now, today, 150 years later, the average white person in America as a group got 3500 times more money than the average black person. The average white has 3500 times more money than the average black. I got two whites right now, some of them I know. They got more wealth than all 42 million black people put together. If two white men got more wealth than all 42 million black folk put together, what kind of game are you playing? What are you going to do? How can you compete? As a matter of fact, let me move it off to men, let's move it to gender. For every dollar that a, that a black woman has to run a household, the white woman has a hundred dollars to run a household. You're supposed to have enough money to be able to be self-sufficient. And this is true all around the world not just with blacks in this country. If I would look, look at them, you got approximately 25 to 26% of the population is black around the earth. And you got over $300 trillion in wealth on the earth. And out of that $300 trillion, if I take all the African countries, the Caribbean countries and Latin America, put them together, you still have one half of 1% of the wealth out of 300 trillion. I go down to South Africa, and I've spoken in all these countries, and I've had trade missions in Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Bermuda, Barbados, all these, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, I've been in all these countries, had of trade missions, representing presidents and governors, you can't compete in South Africa. In South Africa with something like about 29 million blacks as an example, as a comparative example. 29 million blacks in South Africa, you've got a little over 2 million whites. But guess what? They own almost 100% of all the wealth in Africa, the 2 million whites. As a matter of fact, in Africa, the De Beers family, one white family, De Beers family, owns over 50% of the whole wealth of Africa. That means all the gold, silver, chrome, balsite, magnesium, land, property, everything. And you want to know why they can't make it in Africa? They don't own and control anything. survivor called in the Coast Guards over and ever.
1: I will travel to the seven seas. I will even go wherever the wind blows me. I'll do anything to find my destiny. It's like fighting with gravity, and it's bringing me down. If this world is really round, then tell me how. It's just enough for you to come around. Coming in, coming just conscious past day. And right where the sky fades. somewhere there on the ocean, oh you know my ship is coming in. So don't leave me hanging. I've been waiting too long. But this moment, my ship has finally come. All my ship is coming in Just past I
0: One Media World World Radio. World Radio. so in America, if we're going to be a competitive group, we got to go back to what is the basic problem we can deal with? The biggest problem with blacks right now, they own no wealth. They control absolutely nothing. When you go into any city, you figure out who owns the buildings, the big buildings, who owns the communication system, who owns the banks, who owns the railroads, the bus companies. That's where your power is. If you don't don't control a sufficient amount of that, you are a guest, G-U-E-S-T. You have no power, they can do anything they want, anytime you want them. So black folk don't have enough wealth to be a competitive group. You cannot compete. That's the first problem. Now that you know the problem, is, the problem is a lack of wealth, and I'm going to get later on, I'm going to tell you how blacks should start getting wealth. Now, this, what's the second problem? The second problem is you've got impediments that have consistently been used and imposed on black folk to make sure they don't get any wealth. Not necessarily by whites, but what you have in this, in this society, we have a public policy a public policy that went into effect in 1867 when the the 15th amendment was enacted. The 15th amendment says black people can now run for a public office. You can now run for office, but they said you can run for office to be for a sheriff's office, a postal office, or you can even run for Congress or a state legislator. But if you run for a public office and get into the public arena, there are some taboos that you cannot do. One, you cannot run for a public office as a black person and talk about black issues, point one. Point two, you cannot come into in a public office and talk about groupism. You must always talk about individualism, individual achievement. And point three, you cannot come into a public office and try to hold the dominant white society accountable for slavery and what they've done to you for 500 years through Jim Crow segregation and slavery. That means you can't have reparations. Now, if any of you try to do it, you'll be charged with racism or reverse racism. But nobody ever admits you cannot have a reverse racism unless you got a forward racism. And they don't understand what racism is. So when we start talking in a few minutes about solutions, understand clearly that it is impossible in theory and practice for a black person to be a racist. It is totally absolutely impossible. If I listen to the Fox channel, I say you can't be that stupid and go to college unless you're using gorilla glue and got a certificate for being stupid. (laughs) You cannot have a black person as a racist. All black people can do is react to racism. They can't. Yeah, racism. Racism is a power concept. Point one and two is a group concept. To be able to be to be a racist, you must belong to the group that has the power and the wealth. And it must. And it's a group-based concept. I'm gonna, I'm gonna divert over for a second just to give you a little piece of information. Racism never existed on the earth until the, until the 1500s. The same time capitalism came into effect. I'm gonna talk about that also. Racism never existed. In, during the 1400s, European societies were devastated with crime, poverty, and diseases. And when Columbus came back and so he discovered America, at that point in time, nine European nations said, let's now go and, and enrich ourselves in that third world country. And they decided then, based on slaves that had been brought to, to Henry the Navigator back in 1443, and given to him, they said, and, and the Pope then put out a public edict in 1888, 1488, saying if you're going to slave anybody, use what we've learned through the Catholic Church, these, these black slaves that Henry the Navigator gave her, use them. And so everybody started going around the coast of Africa and picked up these blacks. And they were picking up these black people off the coast of Africa for about $25 a head. And they were bringing them to the, to the New World and selling them in for a $1,500 return on investment and that prior to that time the major form of, of commerce was called mercantilism by 1509 they switched off they started calling it capitalism now this is very important for you all to start learning if you're going to do, do something in this city capitalism in the simplest definition in the 1500s it says learning, inquiring own and control the land, the tools, and the resources and use other people's labor to enrich yourself that's what capitalism is I'm going to tell it to you again it means learn how to acquire and control and own the land, the resources and the tools, and use other people's labor to enrich yourself. That's capitalism. Now, W.D. Du Bois defined it a little different in 1915. He said that capitalism is like having three to four years of corn. You eat one, you save one, you sell one, and you save the seeds for next year's planting. That's capitalism. Now, in that, neither of those definitions did any of y'all hear me and correct me if you heard it. I didn't mention anything about civil rights and social integration. I said it's learning how to acquire wealth, tools, resources and enrich yourself off of it. But what has happened now in the black community is through impediments is that we've been bamboozled by a lot of the black leadership in this country to having black folk focus strictly on civil rights and social integration. Social integration has failed in this country for black folk. It's the worst thing ever happened to black folk. Black folk went backwards with social integration. But Black folks lost almost everything they had during the process of social integration. Before integration came, and most of my white friends, and again when I say white friends, see I got white relatives, y'all might not know that. <laughs> and see they jump on me all the time, but you know, quit saying those things about us, we're not part of that. But I got half my family want to pass a white i on, fine, do it. But see, but social integration, integration is a diluting process, it's a watering down process. And before integration, black people in America had, they had their own businesses. North Carolina where I grew up. My family is one of the families that was a part owner of a four-family operation. We own the only black bus line in America. The only one they've ever had. When I say a bus line, I'm not talking about three or four buses or 10 or 15 buses. We had over 500 buses. We didn't service just the black neighborhood, we service the white neighborhoods too. It was called a safe bus company in what's the Salem North Carolina. We took care of the city bus services. In what's the Salem the black community also had two cab companies. Why? Because the white community had two cab companies. The white community had the Bluebird and the Yellow cabs. Blacks, we had the the, the Harris cab and the Campbell City cabs. We had our own movie theaters, the Lincoln and Lafayette theaters. They had theirs, the Hollywood, the North Carolina theaters, the state theaters. We had our own um, restaurants and shoe shops and clothing stores and everything. We lost all of that. We even had our own movie theaters. We had the Lincoln and Lafayette theaters. In every city in the United States, blacks had the two movie theaters, the Lincoln and Lafayette theaters. We had movie producing studios, Norman Productions down in Jacksonville, Florida, Richel in Chicago, and Hollywood Productions, making our own movies. They weren't the best movies, but they were ours. (laughs) But see, when integration came, it took away everything from us. And unfortunately, it wasn't because it was conspiracy of whites to do that. It wasn't whites that did that. It was the NAACP. Now, don't go blaming whites for that. Whites didn't jump up this idea about let's go out and, and put poor, forced blacks into integration. You see, when down in McLaren, South Carolina, where I used to live, in McLaren, South Carolina, they filed a original lawsuit that became the desegregation decision in 1954. They weren't filing for social integration. They filed it because the black kids were walking to school every day and the white kids were riding on buses. And in my school, in elementary school, we had to spend the first week every year of school cleaning up the old books. The white schools were sending all the old books over our school. We had to clean them, fix them up, take gum, erase and get all the dirt and trash off and put tape on them. We got all their hand-me-downs of everything for equipment, tools, everything. And so when, they, so when Clinton South Carolina filed a lawsuit, they filed it based on what? Money, economics. They're saying it's not right. We don't know, They have been talking about social integration. The city and the state was, county was paying what? $1.00 for every black child to go to school and $11.00 for every white child to go to school. And that's where the problem came from. It was a mal, it was a mal distribution of the resources and the money. And so in 1970, Governor Ruben Askew, who's a good old Southern who I love to death. Ruben called me down and said, Dr. would you come down here and run my schools, run the state system? I became the coordinator of education for the state of Florida from 1970 to 1976. Right at the time of desegregation. And I went to the Department of Education and I said, look, I said, what, what are y'all, y'all going to do on the desegregation decision? They said, well, what we're going to do, here's our plan. We're going to close, we're going to fire the black teachers, fire the black counselors, fire the black administrators, close all the black schools, bust 75% of the black kids to the white schools and put the rest in special education classes. I said, no, you're not going to do that. They said, why not? I said, I don't want you to bust the kids, I want you to bust the money and the resources. Leave the black neighborhood the black schools alone and bust the resources over there. Give them some tennis courts. Give them some swimming pools. Give them some of the best teachers and best books and, 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 and learning materials. But again, I got overruled in that by the state legislature. They said the easiest thing for them, they could save money by just letting blacks become guests, G-U-E-S-T, in the white schools. And so consequently, that didn't work. And so what we had, so had pediments because our civil rights leaders got bamboozled with that policy in 1867. Then by, 19, by 1968, it came up again. President Nixon then, got a, when he got elected to office, he got a letter from Daniel Monahan saying, I got a way to shut down the black civil rights movement in the country and shut down the black power movement. He said, what you do, you take the focus in public policy off of black folk and never put it back again. You place it on minority women and immigrants. And so at that point I was opposed to that, but that's what they did. They shifted the focus. And they call that a benign neglect policy. Which means that don't say anything mean about black folk, just pretend that they don't exist. And then they come up with this whole concept called post-racism and a colorblind society. And say the Constitution is colorblind. The Constitution was never colorblind. The Constitution is always very specific saying you all gonna be slaves. And you all can be owners. The Constitution was never colorblind. And the American dream, which you hear about all the time, was based on anybody coming from Europe. They were advertising all over Europe come to America, and we give you free land and free labor.
3: Shame, right, like a diamond. Shame, right, like a diamond. Do you?
0: do this i knew we was gonna have to do this it's too much information to get it all in two hours so we're gonna stay in the air one more hour i'm calling air traffic control right now letting me know we're gonna stay a flight in the air one more hour this is the one media radio show with your host juan johnson that's me and we'll be back with more from dr claude anderson